Let's begin today by, by opening our Bibles, as we should, and uh, to the book of 1 John. And if you are willing and able, please stand with me. Uh, and let's open to 1 John chapter 5. We're continuing in our uh, series, My Little Children. Um, and I will be reading from the New International Version. 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1 to verse 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that the that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. I think one of the hardest things about preaching is that every week you have to decide what you're going to leave out. And this text, like so many others, um, has so much to say, and there would be no way to get it all into one sermon, and sometimes it's difficult to know what to focus on, what to leave out. Now, a few weeks ago, I mentioned to you that John is one of those musicians that has his greatest hits list, right? And uh, love is one of his greatest hits, and obedience is one of his greatest hits. Uh, even that obedience uh, unto God is how we show love to God. That's one of his greatest hits. And all these show up again in this passage that we've just read. Um, and, and, and so we have covered some ground uh, that is outlined for us here today. And I want to encourage you, if you've missed any of these, I'd go back and look. We've got plenty on uh, love and obedience and those uh, kinds of things because of the fact that John is one of those cats that plays the hits. Thanks be to God. That's how we know what's important. But as far as what, is, uh, what the Lord would have, I believe, have me preach on today from this passage has been clear to me from the moment we started putting together this series. Literally, there was a highlight on a passage of, or, of Scripture here, um, and that is this. The victory that overcomes the world comes through our faith. And all I have to say today, all I have just one thing that I want you to walk out of with here today, and that is this truth. By your faith, you can overcome the world. By your faith, you can overcome the world. That's the audacity of this statement here in verse 4 and again in verse 5. Now that may or may not seem like an earth-shattering truth to you right now, but I am praying, and I have been praying, that by the time we're done, it will shatter you in a good way and cause you to rejoice. But in order to understand how earth-shaking that it is, there are a few things that we need to understand about this statement. And I think there's a few things that are church words, right? Church language that goes by us and we don't think about it. And we use the word, and, and, and we'll be talking about a few of those today, two in particular. 
And the first of those is, what does John mean when he talks about the world? Oh, the world. I grew up hearing about the world. You know what I'm saying? The world is out to get you. You're going to get out in the world and be worldly. Uh, you can use it as a noun or an adjective or whatever, a verb. Uh, it, it can be used in all those ways. Uh, and it's a church word that sometimes loses its meaning. So we need to understand what John means first about the world. Who is he talking about? You can overcome the world. What does he mean by that when he says the world? Obviously, when the scriptures refer to the world, they're not referring to the planet Earth. Uh, they are referring, uh, I, I think, I've, I've thought about a way to explain this. It's kind of a realm of experience. It's a way of interacting with the world. And the language that the Bible uses for this kind of realm is kingdom language. So he's talking about a kingdom, the kingdom of the world. So in a kingdom, you have a few things that mark out a kingdom. One is that it has a king, right? Kingdom is a dominion of a king. Uh, but another thing that is marked out is there are certain expectations and rules and regulations that the king sets forth, right? Uh, that there's, so there's ways to live in that kingdom that may be different than other kingdoms. So when John speaks here of the world, he's referring, I believe the best way to describe it in biblical language is a kingdom. A kingdom with a set way of living, a set way of interacting with the world we live in. When he says that you and I can overcome the world, he's saying that you and I, armed with only our faith, can overcome a kingdom. Okay? A kingdom that he calls the world, and we'll keep calling it that as we go through here today. Now, uh, once again, we've said that the two features of a kingdom are, you know, a way of living, and a way of, that way of living comes from the king, right? So who is the king over the dominion that John calls the world? I'm going to be putting a few verses up here as we go through today. If you'd like to write these down and meditate on them later, they'll be up here. The first one's from Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. As for you, this helps us understand who is the king, who is the ruler of the dominion that John refers to as the world. As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. Okay? That's the ways of the kingdom. And you followed the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them, lived in that kingdom at one time, gratifying, this is what the rules, some of the rules of the kingdom are, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So the kingdom of this world is, is ruled by the, the prince of the power of the air, if you have the King James, which I really just love that phrase. And of course, it's a phrase that refers to the devil, Satan himself. He is the king. He is the ruler. The world, as John is referring to it, is his kingdom, his, the domain where he is the king. Um, and the ways of his kingdom are outlined in this passage as well. It's defined that it has to do with uh, experiencing the world through the flesh, right? Through what you can see, taste, touch. All right? and I want you to just think about, you know, like naughty stuff. Okay? It's not, it's not excluding naughty stuff. I'm just saying that don't limit it to that. Because that's where we let ourselves off the hook. Because some of y'all think you're pretty chaste. All right, but you may not be chased in some ways that you think that you are. 
we can all of us live as functional materialists, correct? Now, materialism sometimes is thought of as collecting things, collecting uh, uh, stuff, collecting boats and stuff. You know, isn't it? Boats and the boats, the marker. Well, I don't have a boat. You know, I'm not one of those rich people. I don't have a boat. But materialism, you can be a poor materialist, very financially poor. It has to do with living and engaging with the world around you, with a little W, not the kingdom, but the little world, your people, your area, where you are, engaging with it merely uh, through what you can taste, touch, see, smell, as if there is no spiritual component to reality, okay? So materialism is the rule of the day in the devil's kingdom. But John says we don't have to be subjects. Remember what it says in Ephesians 2 at the end. It says we were all once citizens of this kingdom, which means we were all at one time subjects of the devil who rules the world. But John says that we don't have to remain subjects of the devil. We don't have to be ruled by our flesh or interact with the world, little w, with just the flesh through the medium of the flesh. But how do we get free? How do we overcome that, which is so attractive to us, right? We have to become citizens of another kingdom, another dominion that is ruled by another king that stands in stark contrast and opposition to the kingdom of this world, and that is the kingdom of God. You'll hear that referred to over, over, over and over again. If you just put kingdom of God in a search engine, see how many times just in the, in the gospel of Matthew that it comes up. This is a big deal to Jesus in particular, and I think that on the whole, it's a good idea. What Jesus thinks is a big idea, what Jesus thinks is a, is, is a big deal, we want to think of as a big deal. Amen? All right, so... Uh, the kingdom of God, I think here, is set in contrast, and we can understand what John means about the kingdom of this world by contrasting it with what stands in opposition to it, which is the kingdom of God. John 18, 36 says uh, Jesus, uh, or records Jesus' words where he says, my kingdom is not of this world, right? If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting for me. I might not have been delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. My kingdom is not the world, world's kingdom. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is the dominion of a king, and as we said last week, that king is the king of kings and the lord of lords. And it is his ways and his uh, desires, his character, that define the rules of the kingdom of God and how we operate in the kingdom of God. We are not ruled by the desires of the flesh. The flesh is not bad. I've heard it said, I think wisely, the flesh is not your enemy, but it is a battleground. The flesh is not your enemy. God doesn't have a problem with you being a person with flesh and interacting with the world. All right? What he has a problem with is with you interacting with the world through your flesh as if there is no spiritual, there is no God. Being a functional atheist, no matter what you come to church on Sunday and say. So these are what's being set the stage here. When, when, when John says, you can overcome the world, I believe what's being set up here is, and I want to be an image in your mind, as two competing kingdoms, right? The kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, as it's sometimes called. These competing kingdoms are 
quite different. One gives priority to the flesh, the other priority to the spirit. But I want you to understand that both of them are equally real. Okay? The kingdom of the world feels realer to us. All right? But, it, but the world is not complete. We are not seeing the world completely if we are only taking in what is physical. All right? So that's important. And it's important to understand why. I mean, quite honestly, the Bible says it quite plainly. We are blind to the spiritual realm. Right? This spiritual component of reality. Why is that? 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This is what we were born into. Our spiritual eyes were blinded by sin from birth. In our natural state, we don't care anything about overcoming the world because the world is our natural habitat. We can't see that there is anything or any other way to interact besides just the natural material world at all. And, and though there are many who don't, who are not, wouldn't, we wouldn't say in the kingdom of God, but they may have a sense of spirituality, something that's beyond the, the here and now. Even that I feel for most, many, is like music in another room. You know, it's removed, disconnected. But then Jesus was incarnated. Jesus, who started his ministry with these words from Matthew 4 and 17, from the moment, and it says from that time, from the moment he began his, mystery, uh, his ministry, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This was his message. If you had to boil it down, this is it. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In your mind, that term at hand might mean what I thought it meant growing up. Coming soon. Coming soon. People get ready. There's a train a-coming, right? All that. Now, that's true. People do get ready because there is a train a-coming. Right? So I'm not saying that's not true. I'm just saying that's not what Jesus is saying here. Because what Jesus is saying here is probably better, closer translated in the NIV when it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So, so, so the kingdom of heaven being at hand means it is close by. It's within reach. It's just as far, Jesus is saying to those that are listening to him, as far as I am from you, is the kingdom of God. It's that close. It's that close, and it's still today. That's true kingdom of God is as far away from you as Jesus is from you. This very moment. So Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven isn't something off somewhere in the sweet by and by. The spiritual is not just for heaven. It's the right here and now. It's right in front of your face. It's as real as anything you can taste, touch, and see. The problem is we don't have that spiritual eye anymore that we were supposed to have because of the sin that we, uh, we participate in and sin that is put on us. That spiritual eye has closed. We were born with that eye closed, and it's very difficult to get that eye to open even just a little bit. That's how powerful sight is. Now, as an illustration of what I'm talking about, about the reality of the world, and sometimes you get a glimpse, sometimes your eye starts to open. My favorite example of this is from 2 Kings, 
So if you want to keep your finger here in 1 John and flip back with me to 2 Kings, many of you are familiar with this story. 2 Kings is about there. Okay. That's helpful to me. Because I am one of those people. You know, you, you, you heard some song when you were a little kid with the Bible verses, I mean the Bible books in order, and you kind of find yourself going through that, but you don't want anybody to know. So you're like flipping around. I like to get in the neighborhood. All right. Second Kings, chapter 6. While you're finding that... Um, Situation here is that the prophet Elisha has been helping Israel against their enemies, the Aramites. The king of Aram it gets fed up with that. It's like somebody is telling him uh, where they're going to attack. And here's what happens. 2 Kings 6, beginning in verse 15. Uh, actually, let's back up to 13. The king says, go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Uh, then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there, and they went by night and surrounded the city. So when the servant of Elisha, the servant of the man of God, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. He runs back in. He says, oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And then the Lord opened his servant's eyes, and he looked and saw that the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, all of us at one time were or are like Elisha's servant. We perceive things through the material, through the flesh, through the things that we can touch, taste, and see. We see the soldiers, we see the spears, we see the horses, we perceive the power uh, uh, and the potential destructive power of those worldly weapons of war, and we tremble at them. But Elisha says, don't you be afraid. Don't you be afraid because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And this, this reveals something very important as we talk about the kingdom of this world to, that we are, by our faith, able to overcome we need to understand that this unseen world, this world that is so hard for us to see, is more than what we see here. It is more. It is more powerful than the physical realm. So the spiritual realm, the, 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 the kingdom of God, is more powerful uh, than the physical realm. The physical realm has the power that we give to it by our attention. I know if, you, if you're honest with yourself, the, the, the power of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the temptations of wealth, that power is strong, okay? But that power pales in comparison to the chariots of fire to be found in the spiritual realm. We, as C.S. Lewis says, are, we're playing with mud pies outside. When, when there's a feast inside, okay? And so, Paul teaches us in 2 Corinthians 4.18, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. 
since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So the difference in power between the physical realm and the spiritual realm is like the difference between, you know, a paper plate and a cast iron pot. You know, you hit somebody in the head with both of those and see which one they holler about. Now, why do we give such power to the, plate, to the paper plate, you know, to the kingdoms of this world? Why do we give in so easily to the ways of the flesh, the ways of the devil, the temptations that the devil puts before us? And that's all he does. He's not God. He can't make you do anything. He can't make you do a thing. But he knows what works on folk. He knows what works, and he just knows what he got to put out there in front of you. Right? That's it. Why is that so powerful? It's because we can touch them with our hands. We can hear them with our ears. We can see them with our physical eyes. This is the power of sight. And so it's no wonder that the Apostle Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians 5 to admonish us and remind us we live by faith and not by sight. So that's the rules of the kingdom of God. We live by faith, not by sight. Faith is the key. This is where we're coming to the second uh, church word, right? Kingdom of, you know, the world is one. Another one is faith. What is faith? Now think about that for a minute. What is faith? How does faith operate? What does it do? How do we use that word? You know, we talk about our faith. This is our faith. We're in the Christian faith, right? The set of things that we believe. But according to this passage, if we were to flip back now to 1 John, we find that faith is power. Faith, it says, is the victory that has overcome the world. Faith is key. That word victory in the Greek, this isn't how you say it, I think, but it's Nike. It's Nike. All right? Now, this makes a lot of sense for a shoe company uh, to, to latch onto. Because it's, the word victory here uh, has to do with conquering power. You buy these shoes, and you will have the power you need to conquer on the track. Right? Whatever the case may be. The means of success. So John is teaching us that we can overcome the world by the conquering power called faith. The conquering power called faith. Without faith, the kingdoms of the world conquer us. We don't stand a chance against them. But if we can understand what faith really is, then we can overcome them. So what is faith? Faith, our quick answer often is believing in Jesus, right? I believe in Jesus. That seems to be in some, at first glance what John is saying at the beginning and the end of the passage that we read. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Look at the last one. Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Believing in Jesus. I believe that. Isn't that faith? But John isn't calling faith simply believing in Jesus. It's really more akin to believing Jesus. Right? It's believing Jesus, not just believing in him, 
but believing him. Because remember, the demons believe and tremble, but they do not have faith. Faith is not something that they have. So it's not just belief. It's not, it, it, John is calling us to believe that he is the Christ. He believes everything that the Christ says, uh, that he is the son of God. He is calling us to believe that Jesus is the king. He's the king and his dominion, his dominion, his kingdom, in that he rules as king in a place of dominion, in the realm of the king. In the realm of the king, the king's will will be done. So remember what we said, that the devil is the ruler of the kingdom of this world, and as a result in the world, his will is done. At the same time, Jesus is the ruler of the kingdom of God, and as a result, in the kingdom of heaven, his will is done. But let's not forget how Jesus taught us to pray while he was here on this earth. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth. As it is in heaven. So the kingdom the influence, the rule of the king is meant to move. It's meant to move and be unlimited by its, uh, the, its current borders, by that prayer, right? It would appear, brothers and sisters, that the king of heaven, who taught us to pray this way, came to earth with plans to invade. It would seem, brothers and sisters, that the king of heaven came to undo and destroy the works of the devil who rules here and replace them instead with the works of the kingdom of God. It would appear, brothers and sisters, that Jesus intends that the kingdom of God would be brought to bear on the kingdom of this world, and he intends that in that exchange, the kingdom of this world would be overcome, driven out, replaced. And what is the conquering power by which he chooses to overcome the world. According to this passage, it is our faith. The NIV says it, even our faith. Like, can y'all believe that? Even our sorry little faith. See, when Jesus came to earth, he came as a conquering king. And when he cried out, it is finished on the, on the cross of Calvary. He might as well have cried out, mission accomplished, right? The war was over. And sometimes when wars are over, there are battles that go on until the enemy realizes they're whooped. That happens in every war. The war is, run, is won. And the day is coming when his victory will be decisive. It will be fully consummated. When Jesus returns victorious, but in the meantime, listen, this is the audacity of this passage here that we're reading today. In the meantime, he chooses to partner with us to fight the daily battles. By his power, by his spirit, from his victory. We don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. But we fight through our faith through our faith, to overcome the kingdoms of the world. So your faith is not just something you have. It's something you exercise. It's not just something you believe. It's something you do or you don't do. 
not just something you agree with or disagree with. This is the message at, at the bottom, at the deep part of this passage for me. This is what John wants to communicate to each of us here today. It is through our acts of faith here and now that Jesus brings his kingdom to bear on this world. And so we pray in faith, right? We, um, we speak in faith. We obey in faith. This is a way in which we do these things. It's not just something that we understand. It's something we do. This is hard to understand, and I, I get that. But we are helped by Hebrews 11.1, 1, and really Hebrews 11. So if you go back and look at these, I just go ahead and Think about Hebrews 11 for a while. But it starts off this way. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You may have heard other, you know, things like, um, what are some other translations that you may have heard, like assurance. Those are okay, right? Substance is a thing. It has substance. The word substance is Greek is Hoopostasis. Hoopa means under. Stasis means to stand. Substance. There's some foundation, the basis of something real and something permanent. Your faith is the means, the foundation, the structure upon which the kingdom of God becomes manifest in this world is what this means. Now, I know this is a hard thing to get your head around, so I've tried my best to come up with an illustration that might help. All right, in one of the commentaries I read, there was something like this, and I've just adapted this it for us here in Jackson, Tennessee. So here it goes. When you go to Five Guys Burgers and Fries, okay, you make an order. But they don't give you your hamburger right then. What do they give you? They give you a receipt with a number on it. All right? A hamburger has been paid for, but there is no hamburger in my hands yet. Instead, I have a number on a receipt. Let's say that number is number 25. That number, number 25, if you will pardon me, is the substance of hamburgers hoped for. <laughs> okay? That receipt is the evidence of hamburgers that up to this point are yet unseen. Now, somebody that does not understand the system, the way Five Guys works, they come in the door, and they see me holding my piece of paper. They say, this place is taking you for a ride. You have paid for a hamburger, and they gave you a piece of paper. You got nothing for it. It's all a big scan, and you, and you fell for it like a chump. But that person doesn't understand what this piece of paper is. What this piece of paper is is wrapped up in that definition of faith that's given to us in Hebrews 11.1. 1. The person that doesn't understand this piece of paper that I hold in my title, in my hand, is a title. It's a deed, right? It's a guarantee. It's a little mini physical manifestation of the hamburger that is being prepared for me, okay? <laughs> I, I ask you to forgive me ahead of time. But when they call, number 25, <laughs> I will go up to the counter and two worlds will collide. Okay? The unhamburgered world that I am living in 
and the, and the, and the plentitude of hamburgers on the other side. And when those two worlds collide, <laughs> a hamburger will come upon me. Okay. So, I thank you for allowing me to push that metaphor one step too far. But here's the payoff, okay? In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is accused of casting out a demon by the power of the devil. Y'all remember this? Jesus scoffs at that idea. It's where he says, you know, the house divided against itself cannot stand. And he says, no, I cast that demon out by the power of the Spirit of God. And then he says something very interesting. Matthew 12, 28 records it. If it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, look what happens. Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. What is Jesus saying? He's saying that the, in the kingdom of this world where the devil has sway, demons are allowed to torment people. In the administration of this kingdom of this world where the devil is in control, demons are allowed to torment. But in the kingdom of God, see, no demon is allowed to set his foot, much less abuse one who is a child of God. So when Jesus exercises the spirit by faith and casts out a demon out of a person, what has happened is that the kingdom of God has come upon that person. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven has invaded the kingdom of this world and pushed the rules of this world out and says, you have to operate by now a new set of rules and you have to operate under a new king. Okay? The kingdom of God has come upon you. God's will has been done in that moment on earth as it has been done in heaven. Yeah, when there's a collision of two kingdoms, the kingdom of this earth has been overcome. And I want you to hear that when it says, by your faith, you can overcome the world. Child of God, listen to me. There is no addiction in the kingdom of God. There is no anxiety in the kingdom of God. There is no fear in the kingdom of God. There is no bitterness. There is no besetting sin. There is no guilt. There is no shame. There is no sickness. There is no disease. There is no injustice. There is no greed. There is no abuse. There is no demonic activity. In fact, there is no devil allowed to be round. All of those are features and rules and laws and the way things are in the kingdom of the world. But if you have been born of God and everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, then this is the victory that has overcome the world, your faith. Your faith. Your faith in the kingdom of God and how it has the potential to invade the kingdoms of this world through you, through you. Your faith is the power by which God can conquer addiction for you or for someone else. Your faith is the power by which God can conquer anxiety. Your faith is the power by which God can conquer fear, 
bitterness, shame, sickness, all the rest. You can tell all those things to flee in Jesus' name by faith. I'm not saying you don't go to the doctor. I'm not saying you don't do any of the things that God may use to make that demon flee. And I'm not telling you uh, that it won't come in God's timing instead of yours because I know five guys doesn't always call my number when I'm ready for my hamburger. Right? They call it when the hamburger is ready. God knows when your situation is ready. God knows how to answer your prayers that are prayed in faith. But you know what the answer always is? Yes. There's so many things you don't have to wonder if they're God's will because they don't exist in the kingdom of God. It may come in his timing. It may come in a way that you don't see. But that's his business. Here's your business. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, here, now, as it is in heaven. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who has faith. Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the King. And that his ways are the ways of the kingdom. We're going to enter into a spirit of prayer now. So let me get the musicians and singers and ushers and servers to find their places. As for the rest of us, let's put our books and Bibles aside. And turn our attention to the Lord. Turn our attention to the Lord God Almighty. The Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. He is worthy of your attention. Lord Jesus, you're worthy of our attention. Jesus, you are welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, come, you are welcome in this place. I feel you near, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. Have mercy on us, Lord. Come near to us now. We need you. We need you. God, there are folks in here today, I just know, that need to be set free. And so the, the prayer of my lips this morning has been set somebody free today who is operating under the rules and regulations of the kingdoms of this world that is operating according to the regulation of one who has no care for them of the one who is the father of lies, who has been telling them lies from the beginning. They can't see it. They don't know it. Or maybe they do and they just can't help it. And they can't seem to break through. They can't seem to change. They try. And things don't always go back. As the Bible says, like a dog going back to its vomit. I know there's somebody in here that's just that disgusted. That image is one that brings up disgust because there's somebody in here that's feeling disgusted with themselves every time they return. Operate under the devil's rules for them. And the devil's agenda for them. 
Lord, we have read today that it does not have to be this way. That we can subject ourselves to you in a moment right now, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy. There's somebody here that needs you this morning. Saints, would you pray with me for that person? Would you say, would you say a prayer? If you know somebody in here that needs healing, that needs healing from anxiety, that needs healing from uh, uh, addiction or healing from just old wounds, would you pray in faith for that person? Knowing that the King hears you and He is seated at the right hand of the Father in His kingdom, in His kingdom where those things are not. And that kingdom is coming. It's coming in its fullness later, but it's coming now, and it can come now in you. So would you turn your prayer, saying to somebody, if not yourself, if not someone near you, somebody that you know needs the peace of Christ in them today. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You are welcome to work here in any way that you see fit. In fact, we invite you, Jesus, to fall by your spirit on any of us at any time, Lord Jesus. Open ourselves to you. If this is a new concept to you, I want to ask that you would just turn in your heart to the Lord and say, Jesus, I'm open to you. I'm open to you right now. Whatever you would have me do, whatever cost, Lord, I just want more of you. If you have tasted of the goodness of the Spirit, I want you to say more of you, God, more of you, God, more of you, God, more of you, God. Jesus, Lord.